Hello, and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Wobbo's most shortest work, five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Urban Morehouse. And we are back to talk about Judgment, 16.8. But wait, Elliot, before we do that, did you know that we're about to do a 24-hour live stream for charity? What? Yeah, and as part of that live stream, one of the things we'll be doing is a tarot card reading. We're going to yeah. actually do some left-hand, right-hand tarot card reading shenanigans and see which of us is likely to die soon, which of us <laughs> is going to merge with Conquest, all that good stuff. Yeah, cl- classic stuff, really. Um, yeah, so that's just one of the many activities that you can see in the schedule that's in the show notes below. Yes, now on with the show. We're back to talk about Judgment 16.8, which of course continues right on after Rose has just tagged in our boy Blake. Um, and so he emerges from the sunken place and takes control of their shared body. Yeah, and we're back in first person, which I'm very excited about because I was worried we'd be in third person Blake perspective. <laughs> no, we're back um, in Blake. Yeah. Uh, like that it's, song. It's 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 Blake enough to count. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, obviously, last chapter, uh, I, I said a lot about how I felt it was a very Rose heavy chapter as she, as she tagged out. Yeah. And obviously Blake comes in and this chapter, I think, is really clever in the way it quickly moves through a bunch of short scenarios to reintroduce us to all the aspects of this new new Blake mm-hmm. so we can kind of compare and contrast uh what has emerged from Rose versus what like went into her yes yeah definitely um and we'll get to some of that later and I think the other thing to kind of keep our finger on as we go through this chapter is now we've kind of established that Blake and Rose can tag in and out and that's like a, a move that they've unlocked <laughs> um it's interesting keeping track of the kind of, you know, what what it looks like when that happens. As an example, to start with, Rose is basically a lot more present than Blake was in the previous chapter. Um, she's kind of offering up suggestions. She's doing what we saw Blake do right at the start of this kind of subsuming, which was like, you know, expressing himself, I guess. <laughs> um, and yeah, we're kind of going to get into this as we continue through the chapter, but it's interesting to keep a, keep an eye on the kind of Blake Rose spectrum of control and see how it uh, shifts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because like my first thought when you sort of suggested this theory as I was writing my notes was like, oh, well, it could just be because, you know, this is still Rose at its core. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, it's like, it's Rose who has transferred control. Um, and then even, even if, you know, what, what you're talking about is normal in possession, this is not a normal possession. Like we've already talked about how Blake and Rose are kind of a unique, uh, twist on, on possession. Um, but yeah, like later on in the chapter, Blake kind of make, well, plays some more control and gets it. And, uh, I'm very excited to to track that. I know I've already been talking. I think I've said that like a hundred times since this possession stuff started, but I'm so I, I continue to be so excited to see where it's going next. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Me too. Um, yeah, <laughs> it 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 evolves in some really interesting ways so far, and I'm excited to see that continuing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so of course, people kind of notice that Rose is now growing branches, um, and they put together this is Blake. Uh, as these branches start to spread over Rose's body. And everyone's uh, got interesting reactions to Blake <laughs> coming back. Yeah, like, I, I definitely think this is sort of the first of these clever things that the chapter does, because as Blake starts to form... Yes. ...is is, is the best word I can come up with. Um, Everyone sort of... We, we kind of go around the room and we sort of say what everyone's reactions are. 
Mm. Um, so, like, you know, Green Eyes and Evan are kind of expectedly thrilled. Um, Paige is, is terrified, which is something that will pay off in a little bit. Um, Peter is mm. smug because Paige is terrified. Um, Mags just rolls with it, which is interesting. And, and like, Lola doesn't really seem to give a shit. Um, like, I couldn't tell if it's just she's still mad at Blake for everything that went down in Arc 13 or... Yeah. Um, whether she just doesn't like Blake or Rose, so she couldn't care which one of them is currently open to being killed. Um, but I, I really like how quickly we sort of go around the room and and we get everyone's opinion on what's happening and it kind of tells us just as much about them as it does about where Blake is at. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and people obviously are reacting in a bunch of really interesting ways. <laughs> um yeah it's weird it's weird that some of them don't seem to care like you mentioned lola not really caring and and peter and Paige kind of um don't seem to care that they've changed they or, or it's kind of they don't seem to care about rose or blake or one of them being in power over the other they just are kind of interested in this taking place it's it's very yeah yeah i i don't feel like anybody is really reacting appropriately or i don't know what the appropriate <laughs> reaction is i suppose I mean, Ainsley is kind of the only one who's like, yes. so, um, Rose? She... Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like, Ainsley's <laughs> the only one who checks in on Rose, which is kind of insane <laughs> to think about. Um, yeah, so Green Eyes, as we've kind of seen, be this kind of guardian for Blake's interests, right? Acting as, with his, you know, power of attorney or whatever. Um, and Ainsley kind of is the only one who even slightly gives a shit about that for Rose, which is wild. I'm surprised that nobody else cares that Rose just got subsumed. Um, yeah, I mean, Blake says she's okay, but he also... Mm. Well, he doesn't. She's, oh, no, no. she's like, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, okay-ish is the vibe that I get. Yeah, well, he's, he's sort of like, this was her decision, and Ainsley's like, is she okay? And he's like, not really. Mm. And and then it's just this sort of awkward quiet, and it's just kind of like, come on, Blake, you can do better than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, not least because Blake has just been in that exact situation. <laughs> Surely he can shed some light on what it's like, but no. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I complained about Rose doing the exact same thing, like, not five chapters ago, where Green Eyes was like, how is he? And Rose was like, no, oh, he's fine, and just seemingly didn't want to talk about it. And I was like, y- you can do better than this. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and so moving on from this, what we start to get, I think, is is as Blake is forming as well, we get the first insight into how things are going to be different for him now, because as well as the transfer of control, uh, Rose left him with her fear. Um, and of course, that's so perfect because Blake has spent pretty much the entire book since, I think, Arc 9, mentioning how he doesn't feel fear anymore. Mm. And and now he's gotten her back, but it's not his fear, it, it it's Rose's fears, and like... You know, in, in in a lesser story, it'd just be he gets fear back, like the concept of fear. But I love this extra spin on the on it, where it's it's this intricate version where it's her fears. So he he has that sort of external fear of the outer world and everything. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. I let's. I want to touch on something that comes up almost right away because, as you mentioned earlier, when we were starting off this episode, we've kind of been waiting to see how Blake's um how Blake's sacrifices I guess will will be represented in himself we saw that Rose got more connections at the cost of Blake's connections and we want to see how that plays off um and so Blake kind of looks around at people and we get this line looking at the human faces around me very few meant anything at all people um so that's Mm -hmm. fun uh Blake has 
obviously given up his human connections here and he really doesn't give a shit about any of them uh, even he, he explicitly calls out Paige, who is somebody that he you know had in air quotes a good relationship with growing up um and nope just another person here yeah and like i this is this is the bit i was talking about paying off just a second ago like the whole yeah. thing with Paige is Paige hadn't met blake yet like since the earning yes so she she had no connection to blake and that sort yeah. of comes up she's like oh i haven't really met you before and blake's like oh no we have met and then he was like wait i don't care about her and that just yes. like the impact hits you so harder because you sort of be you're re-going through the whole thing of oh god Paige doesn't know who blake is oh that poor connection and then it, and then it's like no just just in case you forgot we've also severed that from the other side too this is like both ways there's nothing here yeah um, i think that's like a really cool way to emphasize how distanced blake is from these people now is is that the person he was arguably the closest to before well you know like two months ago he now has yeah. nothing with yeah um yeah we don't have any you know alexis ty or tiff for obvious reasons here but i'd be very yeah. interested to see that reaction as well yeah that i mean that's that that might be sort of the 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 next step in this because yeah. like, i think we're going to be seeing how blake copes with his lack of caring about people ism that he now has um presumably like as they battle the barber but like if he survives then it's that's like a whole other hurdle that's going to exist for him yeah definitely um so yeah the, the group kind of continues moving and blake kind of you're right forms his new body kind of fills out rose's body and and makes it a bit more his own and he obviously strips down as he does so turning back more into tree boy than um than rose diabolist <laughs> i mean yeah speaking of body horror like uh this not wait not content to just there's a line earlier where the story is like this was hurting rose and you know it could have just been in the metaphysical sense where you know it pained her to lose control and to have her essence sort of you know being like chipped away at by by blake mm. uh, but of course because this is packed it's not content to just do that so we also get like it literally tearing holes in her flesh and yeah and, you know it's manifested as like she's slowly overtaken by trees from the inside yeah and it's painful <laughs> right blake yeah. feels the pain of this of these trees piercing his flesh yeah it's it's very full-on in a very fun way like i was like oh my god that's awful i love it yeah um, let's talk about this bra thing, right? Because, um, as Blake is stripping down, <laughs> the goblins, one of the goblins that's with them kind of reaches up and is like, hey, I want that, and indicates Rose's bra, and Blake, I think, making the right decision, is like, well, no, <laughs> fuck off. Um, but Rose, consistently throughout this chapter, keeps kind of sending signals to Blake that he thinks that he should give it over, and eventually mm. he does, just to kind of, you know, quiet, get Rose to shut up about it, basically. And it's... I don't understand why she is so insistent that Blake gives it to them. It's the weirdest thing, in my opinion. I mean, it was definitely, as, as you mentioned, it was Rose's call to make. I would have been very uncomfortable with Blake just being like, yep, yeah, okay, here you go. Um, yeah. If, if Rose is on board with it, then it's sort of, it's her bra, her call, basically. I mean, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I see the logic because, like, a big thing for the goblins this chapter is... Um, they want to get the goblins to embrace themselves and empower themselves because yeah, this is when you need the the goblins and um you know I mean 
you know you're in a bad situation when we need to empower the goblins is something that, you, mm-hmm. that you're thinking and saying um yep. but like i i mean i guess that you know if we look at goblins as a sort of embodiment of everything like nasty and and, and grotty and dirty about humanity uh this is the situation where you need to embrace that a little mm-hmm. um and, and that's essentially what they're doing um metaphorically which is a little concerning as as we move ahead especially now we have uh like in his i don't really care about people mode um mm. him him embracing the kind of worst parts of himself is maybe not great imagery but uh we'll see yeah um yeah <laughs> i mean this is why rose pulled him out there right is to because mm. they need the version of blake that is embracing the the most blakey monstrous aspects because that's what rose thinks they need on the front line right i think that's fair yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing I thought was, um, like, Blake has obviously acquired Rose's fears, and, like, I wonder if, um, you know, all, all that stuff to do with, like, the, the uncomfortableness of, like, giving a goblin your bra might have been partially located in her fears, and so she's able to mm. extract herself a bit and think more logically about it, like, without the emotion of, like, that's fucking gross yeah um like that that feeling of invasion that comes with giving a, a goblin in your undergarments is, is maybe tied into the fear a little bit yeah um i, I don't know like Ro- rose's fear and its difference to blake's is, is something that comes up a fair bit and like i really yeah. like it, rose's fear was all about preserving herself which is so interesting because all of blake's stuff was designed around like kind of kamikazeing. yes um so yeah, I, like, I don't know, I've, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but I'm so excited to watch these two factors play off each other where he's got this fear kind of holding him back a bit now, whereas before it kind of caused him to lash out. And well, how, that, how, will, how, that, how that will change the balance of how he goes about things a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, it would be a bad move for Rose to put Blake in charge and not give him a bit of self-preservation <laughs> because now that she's actually, like inside him it's very much <laughs> in her best interest to do that yeah and i mean she's been there before she's been she's been on blake's wild ride before without the ability to really help him self-preserve. well yes but this time well, she no, actually right. will face now. consequences for his <laughs> yeah. demise right before it was kind of like yeah blake if you die i know i'm gonna be all right um whereas well, that's now not what it's... she told him is it she kept no, saying she'd not. die but yeah no but she knew that she was gonna you know um if i remember correctly yeah no i think i think you're right actually yeah that's a good point she 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 probably kept telling him that 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 was probably her way of trying to get him to self-preserve a little bit was putting her neck on the line yes um even though she she knew that it wasn't but yeah like imagine can you imagine anything worse than being tied to Blake, and if he dies, you die. Like you'd be, you'd be desperately trying to stop him from doing shit. The only reason Rose isn't is because there's a worse threat out there. Like, yeah, 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 it's absolutely. Pro- it's the second worst place to be, right after <laughs> the target of these demon lawyers. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So they they have this uh, kind of long conversation, and Blake kind of explains something that we've been talking about and talking around for a long time. And he sums it up in such a nice way. He basically says, well, he says explicitly, everything is fairy um, and uses this to kind of impart the belief that the importance of belief and kind of bullheaded theatrics, right? Like fairies are so dependent on their, uh, their, their, their selves not being challenged. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And, And Blake is kind of using this to make the point of like, Everything is like this. If we challenge something, if we believe something, that makes it 
happen you know it, it's it's very much the, the secret kind of levels of thinking it's self-actualization <laughs> yeah 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 um i mean first of all i'd forgotten how bad blake was at explaining <laughs> things um, yeah. like this was one of those moments where i was like well yes yeah, it's definitely still blake because he'll say some very abstract statement people will be like that doesn't make sense and he just always responds yes it does yes it does uh, <laughs> yeah it'll make sense if you were in my head for the past 14 chapters um but yeah i mean like you're right like i don't think we like as, as readers understood how important this was until just recently like this belief that humans yes. have um and yeah it ties in so well to the fairy in particular because they have kind of been through glamour the embodiment of just bullshitting your way to to becoming like really something um it, it just made me start to wonder again about where fairy fit into this universe mm. um I think I want to sit on it more. I haven't come up with anything, but I used to talk about how I thought they were the embodiments of lies. Now, maybe it's something else because they're this like through the glamour, you could argue that they're similar to humanity as embodiments of change, but they're also immortal and they get stuck in these modes. Like I think the fairy court changes, but seemingly very rarely, um, like yeah. in their own way, they're very stuck in patterns. So I, I don't yeah. think elements of change is something that suits fairy. So I don't, I, I don't know. Like I feel like there's I feel like there's something there and I can't quite put my finger on it yet. Mm. Yeah, okay. Well let's keep an eye on it for the rest of this story, I suppose. <laughs> um and see if we can solidify it a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Um Rose starts offering up some, you know, some visions to Blake, uh trying to tell him something, seemingly, but it doesn't quite come across to Blake or you know to us <laughs> um yeah basically she's she's offering up visions of kind of conquest's tower and of a white flag and trying to relate that to johannes slash barbatorum and the fact that they you know have a tower um that they're heading towards so there's some link there it seems that rose is trying to put forward to us yeah <sighs> I had a few thoughts on this, but they're all so vague. Like I, I sat there for a while and was like, what is she trying to tell him? And I don't know. I'm like, I can't wait to see where this goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I'm trying to think of what could the connection between Conquest and the Barber be? Yeah. Like I think the two I sort of have that, like I, I, I don't feel like I've got the whole picture is, um, well, the one, the first thought I had was that maybe Rose is is wanting Blake to tap into conquest. Um, mm. I I don't know why she would want this. Well, she <laughs> she seems to have given Blake her self preservation, so uh, now she doesn't have it, and she's fine for Blake <laughs> to just have conquest eat her. I guess. Um. Yeah. I. Yeah. I don't know because like, she 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 leaps from this idea of conquest's flag, his symbol, to the barber is Johanna's. And that made me think, well, they could be Conquest. And then I was like, I don't know why she would want this. Um, the only other th yeah. thing that leaps out is, as you mentioned, they both have towers. Mm -hmm. um, so that maybe she's hoping that Barbatorum isn't as powerful as he's trying to make out. Like, is mm -hmm. Barbatorum doing a conquest and he's trying to talk himself up? more than he is through these power displays um yeah interesting so yeah one of conquest's big things was this tower is quite imposing and intimidating and it kind of makes him seem like he's more powerful than he is um, yeah exactly and thinking about that we do have you know barbatorum is theoretically about on the same level as ur in terms of power and you know they're both kind of moderate uh esque demons um which then makes you kind of think, well, Irv was powerful, obviously, but also had weaknesses that could yeah. be exploited. So maybe that is what it is, that he's not 
she's kind of supporting his idea of believe that you can win <laughs> yeah 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 i mean maybe um i guess we'll see i don't know yeah um so ainsley tries to use some of her clock magic to get them back above ground uh but barber harness kind of does his cut up the world thing <laughs> his influence the domain thing and uh this tunnel collapses and, and it kind of works to expose them to the surface so that's good because this tunnel collapses above them and they're now kind of exposed to the surface but Unfortunately, above them are a bunch of these split vestiges that begin to swarm them. Yeah, so so the two little things I wanted to say here were, uh, quickly, Blake does save Ainsley before jumping into the fray, so that's a good sign, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't think about saving her in a completely logical... Like, he doesn't think, oh, she will be useful in the future. He thinks, oh, I better save her now because I won't be able to later, which was I, I read as positive. Um mm. But, like, yeah, I, the the thing that I thought was super fascinating from this is how Blake expected the vestiges to be very weak because yeah. it was, like, kind of flimsy things getting cut in half for a lot of it. But a lot of them aren't because some of the stuff Barbatorum threw away were weaknesses, which, like, when you're thinking about things in a scientific way makes no sense because, <laughs> like, he, he's he's cutting away a negative. That's not really how it works. And like it's just one of those. I just love the symbolic basis of this world and how stuff like that can still surprise me because it was like when it was first said, I was like, that doesn't make sense. And then you sort of think about it and you're like, okay, no, I, I can see how that works on a spiritual level. Mm. Um, it's just uh, yeah, this the world of Pact is just so fun. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, yeah, the fact that he can cut out the frailty of a vestige, for example, is pretty insane. <laughs> um, it's quite fun. Uh, speaking of fun, we get this bit where Green Eyes does a bit of uh, what I'm going to refer to as land sharking, <laughs> where she swims through Earth and kind of bites stuff. And it 100% validates what people were talking about in our previous discussion question, that if Green Eyes was infused with Earth magic, she'd be very, very imposing. <laughs> yeah, those. I, I think there were a number of people who suggested that as an idea, and it turns out they were spot on. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I want to talk about the... Something that we see here as Blake is fighting these vestiges, which is that he is shit at fighting. <laughs> and it's so interesting because this chapter really kind of represents that Blake and Rose now sharing a, a, a single body are, as a combined unit, they exist on a kind of spectrum, right, between Blakeness and Roseness. And it's, you know, we were, we were somewhere at maybe 95% Rose last chapter, and now Rose has ceded control and we're at somewhere that's more like... You know, 60, 70. Yeah, 55% Blake, for example. Um, he He's back and he's got some of his traits, but also Rose still has some of those traits inside him. And he's not, you know, he's not this imposing boogeyman threat that he has been, you know, back in the execution arc, for example. Um, I think it's really interesting. And we're going to see him t dial up the Blakeness in a little bit, very consciously. It's quite an interesting thing to think about, that they can kind of tune not just who's out, but how in control Blake is and how Blake Blake is. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's the thoughts he has here about being shit at fighting now with the Rose, like, body that makes him think later that he has to take control. Yes. Um, and and as, as you said, like, there's definitely something to that like this idea that the two of them mixed up isn't as good but the more they lean on one side the more effective they are remember when alistair 
I think it was right at the start of Arc 13, was talking about balancing these scales. Yes. Um, it might have been Arc 14, sorry. Um, and, and like how he didn't want things to swing either way. But what we're kind yeah. of seeing here is they're not very effective when the scales are balanced. Like they're yes. kind of having to yo-yo. Uh, and that obviously hurts them both a lot. So that's not a sustainable model, but um, this is Blake. So, you know, I, I can't expect anything different. Um, yeah, I, I think the thing that, you know, we know that as they rub up against each other, I guess is the best word for it, <laughs> they're losing portions of themselves. And so it makes me think of this spectrum and think that as they kind of switch out or, or you know, even just exist more, um, the extreme edges of this spectrum are going to get lost. You know, Rose is going to lose her sharpness. Blake's going to lose his good at fightingness as they kind of dull themselves against each other. Yeah, they're literally destroying themselves every time they do changes like this, and even yes. probably just sitting still. They're, even they're, just chilling, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, luckily, you know, they're fighting the barber right now, so I guess this is the time to be making sacrifices like this. But, um, <laughs> like, this this was really the part where I started to realise how close to the original dynamic we were um, of, of Rose being the, the helpful kind of observer and Blake being the doer. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was the mode that was chosen for them to start off because it was going to be the most effective. Like, this whole idea of Rose with the survival instincts and who'll be able to set herself up when Blake is the person to actually get some shit done before uh, tagging out to Rose. Um, a bit more of an even... Oh, sorry, an even more violent way of tagging out before. But, um, yeah, again, like, as we sort of watch all these other vestiges crumble and get killed by them, Blake and Rose, like, while they're taking these losses... And swinging the pendulum, like we said, you know, they've changed stuff. Like Blake still has Rose's fear. Like they have, they've taken what the barber chopped and they have rearranged things a little bit. And I think I already said this a couple of chapters ago, but I have to feel like that's important. Like Blake and Rose are moving aspects of themselves around to become more effective. And that just feels yeah. so human in this universe. Like yeah, talking about yeah. humans as the elements have changed. So I, I have to feel like that's going to matter moving forward. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, I think they're far beyond what Granny Rose and Barbatorum initially set them up to be, right? And yes. that's that's the powerful bit. That's the fact that they were able to do that kind of proves human nature eventually can conquer these, you know, demons, others, angels, whatever, right? Yeah, they've they've changed themselves. Like I think that's the most important part is the like everyone, including the universe, told them that they were gonna have to fight each other and they found a way to work together and trade aspects of each other to be a more effective team. And that just mm. yeah, like that has to be something, surely. It's so cool. Yeah. 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 I mean the thing that we're not seeing is what's the cost of this, right? Like we've seen Blake's deterioration. Oh, yeah. We haven't as explicitly seen Rose deteriorate, but I mean presumably it's also happening yeah yeah like that's the thing this like and they both know it this is not sustainable even if they come out of this fight at you know in a couple of chapters you know there's they've suffered so many heavy losses even if they sort of split split apart and become two entities again they're going to have lost so much like it's, yeah it's yeah that's definitely going to have to be part of the end end story is whichever ones survive dealing with how much they've lost mm, yeah um so blake kind of realizes that he's now shit at fighting and basically reaches into himself and kind of pushes rose aside drawing on more and more blakiness 
Um, and as he does this, he starts uh, not just getting better at fighting, but kind of reveling in the fighting, you know, in the same way he used to draw fear from from people. He, he kind of doesn't just maintain momentum as he fights, but actually gains it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, I guess, I mean, speaking of changing themselves, this is Blake kind of making the call for both of them. Like, uh, yeah. I feel like I'm starting to feel like a broken record, but I'm so excited to just see more of this. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it feels like Blake has just made the decision to turn up the dial on the Blakeness, and we see that Rose seemingly is less present after this. I mean, we didn't see... We saw Rose reaching out with ideas beforehand quite frequently, and after Blake does this, she we never hear from her again. Um, so presumably, that's because Rose has now kind of sunken further in and, and has... You know, the thing that has happened to Rose is what seemed to happen to Blake throughout the past few chapters, where he just kind of became less present yeah um it's interesting i hadn't really put that together until you said it here and i was and now i can't like unsee it um as we sort of said rose is the one who tends a bit more to self-preservation i think even without her fear that's probably still true yeah um so it could just be her keeping quiet because she's less prone to throwing bits of herself away unless it's absolutely necessary um but yeah i again i i I can't wait to see more of this and see where it ends up yeah yeah um, so Blake kind of cuts his way through some vestiges, fighting his way up to this, uh, tracker lawyer, and he's fighting with his machete, kind of doing okay, but not making significant progress, until this machete kind of slowly morphs into the hyena. Um, and as it does this, you know, Blake now has his old, uh, implement back, and so he kills the lawyer. The, ah, uh, this got such a good laugh out of me. I... I think the second the sword snapped, I did like a live tweet that was like, oh no, not this again. And then he stabs the guy with it and it, and the spikes impale his hands. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, not this again. Um, like the, yeah. the, the delivery is so perfect because the snapped sword just immediately brought back the imagery of the hyena to me yeah. as a reader. And I was just like, oh God, you know, this is like that. And then of course, because it's packed, that just means the hyena itself comes back. And I was like, oh perfect yeah yeah definitely it's great um so yeah i mean this is a perfect way to represent the blakiness has been dialed back up right is he's getting yeah. his his core tools like i wouldn't be surprised if something like the the hair locket or blake's sympathetic magic starts presenting itself as he dials up the blakiness more and more yeah yeah maybe i mean it definitely shows that the abyss is still hanging around whether it's in blake yeah. or rose or, or both um the fact that the the abyss was just like oh here you go He's the hyena again. You love yeah. it. Um, abyss with the assist. Yeah, but I, I, you know, the the fact that the abyss is willing to assist uh, raises concerns at the same time as it is very useful. Um, yep. But I guess we'll see where where uh, the abyss goes. I, I still think the abyss is going to have to play a part in how where things end up. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, so yeah, Blake and the crew have taken down this, or Blake took down this lawyer, um, and the crew kind of fights through this horde of vestiges, and they're fighting their way over towards Barbatorum's tower, when Barbatorum suddenly is like, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, um, causes blades to start piercing up through the ground again, and kind of blocks off the entrance to the tower. And it seems to be Barbie kind of very explicitly saying, whoa, 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 you (laughs) don't just think you can beat me, I'm still a factor here. Yeah, basically, the end of the chapter is Blake thinking, okay, it's fine if we just believe we can do this, then we will be able to. And then the barber starts doing stuff, and he's like, but um, that's going to be pretty fucking hard because yeah. he's real powerful. Um, yeah, it's, exactly. It's a very 
right after kind of defeating this lawyer, it feels like we should be having a bit of a high point, and then it's just immediately we're kind of brought back down to Earth yeah. or Proto Earth or wherever we're calling yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, um, it's as... it, the threat is not dealt with, Blake. You still have to go up, <laughs> climb up this big tower, and kill your dad. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like his his dad hasn't even really been a player yet. We've just yes. been getting to the final boss. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's kind of where the chapter ends with, uh, with Blake's dad making his, uh, his presence known. Um, and we'll see what, what, you know, what they can do to deal with uh, Barbie and his tower soon. Um, yeah, I mean, f- step one is still getting into the tower at this point yes. and then getting up it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and let's not forget Faisal is around as well. Yeah. Somewhere fucking with them. Um, so that'll be fun. Yep. Uh, but before we wrap up our episode, uh, we wanted to dive into the discussion question that we've been running for the past week, which is talking about Pact's pacing and how people feel about it. Because this is something that has obviously come up a fair amount in discussion of Pact. The fact that it's too aggressively paced, I think, is the general consensus. <laughs> so let's hash it out. You know, we've been we've been spending a year in this story. Let's talk about what we think about it. Yeah. Um, and so the first answer I wanted to pull out was... Um... Yeah, uh, so the first answer I wanted to pull was, was Brawl97s, who brought up a, a sort of recurring theme, which is that Pact's pacing is very fast, um, but they like it, which, I mean, same, I, I thought it was great. Um, yeah. Brawl actually went into comparing the pacing to Ward um, a bit, which we can't really talk about here because we said no Ward Yeah, spoilers. Spoilers. Um, we are doing a Parahumans Hour and all packed up, and I'm sure we will have this discussion uh, there. Yeah, we're going to um, be comparing to Worm, to Ward... Uh, to yeah. all that good stuff yeah and, and in fact i think scott will probably be there for at least a, a bit of that so that'll be a really fun discussion with him so yeah. um yeah we can't really go into what brawl said just now but I, I kind of agree with what brawl was saying but i think there's some important differences and i guess we'll yeah. talk about it in a few weeks yeah but no i agree with what brawl is saying here that yes the pacing is fast but you know i like it fast um <laughs> yeah. and and i think uh it was uh beard of valor who talks about you know beard of valor talked about how they initially didn't like the pacing but um it is very appropriate i mean this blake's story takes place over you know one week and then another week you know four months later or whatever yeah um and and it it is his life is a fast-paced slide into hell at some points literally um, and so, you know, Pax pacing kind of mirrors that. And and while it could be exhausting, especially if you're reading it uh, kind of all at once in a binge, it does give you this authentic kind of exhausted experience of, of Blake's life. Yeah, like, I think that's the thing, like, Beard of Valor really brought up this point that, <clears throat> I like, I, I'd been sort of thinking about when hearing these discussions and I, I thought it needs to be brought up, which is that, like, this is the story, like, yeah. Blake as a character, the story that's being told here is about this. I think Beardy values is the term. Like he's being ground down. Um, yeah, and, and, and like that's the thing. Like Pact's pacing is so important to the story that's being told. Like I don't think when I hear people just complain about Pact's pacing, I assume that what they want is the same story but told with more breaks. And I just don't mm. think that would be true to the story that's being told here. Mm. um so it's not like it's one disconnected thing that like oh you know the story was just too rushed it's like no that's that's what the story is and i think it's okay to have a problem with that like i don't personally but um it's it's not as if it's just this one aspect that is discreet from everything else that you could just change without losing what the story kind of is Mm. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting because Pact as a story is so much about the narrative and then the meta narrative, right? Like we as the audience actually kind of are represented as characters in Pact through the spirits. And so I think our our reaction to the story is almost as much a, a, a bigger theme of, of the stories of Blake's life itself. And so I think this is something that's very interesting to to muse on when we think about the meta kind of things like the pacing of Pact as a story. Yeah, and, and like as a sort of extension of this, uh, Bigo Miko and Flower Priest both gave us answers which were sort of along the lines of you know it, it, it's maybe a bit fast or, or whatever like you know it, that's a personal thing but um part of the big loss here is that you lose the, or that we lose a bit of world building because it's so zoomed in on blake uh and, and rose's stuff and and particularly yes. because because blake is this character who doesn't take a moment to stop and yeah and relax the story does just continuously push forward and and you know i think we've mentioned this like pact feels like this huge world that the story has barely scratched the surface of and and so that's arguably the the loss of of the way pact's structured and the pacing is that we didn't get to see even more of the world which is a yeah. bit of on one hand is a ridiculous claim because we've still got a million <laughs> words and there was still so much yes. cool stuff yeah um and it's also it's a it's a problem that's solved just by uh getting wildbo to write more packed so you head to patreon.com forward slash wildbo <laughs> And get him to keep writing more packs, but explicitly say when you when you become a patron that this is for more packed. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I agree, um, and and yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it's it's kind of a weird thing to say. Like, actually, I'd be fine with just taking a break from the story and reading more textbooks, but it's totally <laughs> true, right? Um, it it rhym- reminds me of when we were talking about the early interludes that were the, uh, like the gathered pages interludes. And, it, and uh, we had, uh, there were comments from Wabo, I think in the discord, maybe uh, that were basically along the lines of, I really liked writing these, but I found it really hard to give them an ex- an interesting narrative thread throughout them. Yeah. And my reaction is kind of like, I Don't get worry that about it. you need to do that because this is a, a narrative, but I actually just want to know more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um and i mean like sentiments that kind of bounce off this were put in by um i think groby four six five seven eight mm. and um so Hibermum seven yeah who kind of mentioned that they binged packed the first time and they missed a lot and and we've already sort of touched on how like part of that is just because of that's who well that's who blake is like he doesn't sit to yes. dwell and like <laughs> the way we've read this this book for the podcast and and this is something that these two users brought up as well was um these slower read throughs kind of let you read between the lines a bit more and 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 pull more out of the story and it's all stuff that is very easy to miss when you just binge it yeah and and like that's not necessarily like a a bad thing about the story but it makes it it makes it harder to appreciate some of the strengths of the story if you just binge it because because Blake is going to skim a lot of this stuff, if you're binging it, you as a reader are probably going to as well. Yeah, it's really interesting. I had the same experience, and there were some other commenters, uh, Senior Examination and Juanson, who both kind of talked about, yes, my first read-through, I kind of actually got this pacing problems complaint a bit more. You know, I I, I guess to expand on what you just said, my first read-through, I felt like I was reading it 
as Blakewood, and doing this podcast, I feel like I'm reading it as Rosewood. You know, like <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. just gunning through and, and missing some of the links, but it's all working out okay in the end. I'm actually going through and slowly analyzing things and trying to put together like connections so that I'm more advantaged. You know, when we get to these specific points, like it's actually very interesting. Again, kind of meta narrative to the way I've been reading the story. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think for like like we have slowed down and we've been you know reading it a lot more carefully and I I still feel like for everything that I've noticed there's probably ten that I missed um, yeah and I think like, I'm I'm really glad that, that that you you got us to do this podcast on this story because I think this is the perfect story to have had a, a companion podcast like this because of what we've just been talking about this is a story where because of the way it's structured, I think it's very easy to miss a lot of what it's doing and going through it carefully and slowly like this has allowed us to see a lot more than like, if I just read this, I just would have been shit and I would have missed about 99% of what we've said on this podcast. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad we got the opportunity to, to do it this way. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, so definitive answer packed. Does it have a pacing problem? Hit us Elliot. No, because we're going to get... The, the only thing we lost was more of the world, and we'll get more of that in Pack 2, patreon.com forward slash wabo, Pack 2. Yeah, I mean, are we... Like, we're doing a 24-hour live stream. I feel like that's a, an example of the kind of thing that people would do if they, as human beings, have bad pacing. So I feel like we're probably <laughs> not good authorities to answer this anyway. Yeah, I think I mentioned this when we first brought up the question, but we're obviously asking it at this point in our podcast is going to have like a positive bias in, <laughs> in the answers because yeah. people who are put off by packed pacing probably yeah, they're, haven't they're made it this yeah, far. Totally. Um, but in so, case they yeah. have, you know, thanks for sticking with us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for leaving answers to the discussion question, everybody. Uh, it's always great to, to hear from the community as we go. Um, let's open up another discussion thread. This one's a bit more of a exploratory kind of deal. Uh, we realized that we've talked about implements a fair amount in these discussion questions, but we've never talked about what domains would look like. So I'm interested for people to uh, to talk about what they think their domain would be, how that would represent itself. Honestly, when we came up with this question, I was I was confused that we hadn't already asked it, and I was sure that we had. Um, yeah. Like how, yeah, this, yeah, tell us all about what you would want your domain to be like. Um, you know, you can take some artistic license with, with how big it is or whatever. Like, you know, mm -hmm. feel free to, feel free to do whatever lets you express yourself the best. But, um, yep. I was, I was amazed that we hadn't asked this question. This seems like such a fun question. Yeah. Carve out your own little part of the world and let us know what it's like. Um, yeah. Like we've seen what, we've seen what the barber does with his. Um, we saw way back in, 2.x there was that lady yep, who the, turned the hers flesh into one. a womb yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. um so you know where where are you on the spectrum of proto-earth to womb house yes that that very well-known spectrum um <laughs> leave your answers to that discussion question in our discussion thread or leave us your general thoughts on what you thought of this episode or this chapter uh as you know blake continues to make his way towards this dark tower um, actually, if you want more discussion of dark towers, <laughs> head on over to doofmedia.com where you can, where you I mean, can I catch gonna, the show Kingswingers. I was going to work on that. I mean, you, like, you don't have to do the setup and the delivery. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, and obviously the other new baby of the Doof Media Network is We Want More. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's just more and more shows hitting the Doof Media Network. It's it's getting impossible for, for you to keep up with all of them. And yes. That, yes, that is a challenge. Yeah, we should say more and more shows is spelt uh, with 
M-O-R. There's no E there. Um, that was a, a pun that works better when written down, Elliot. <laughs> I got it, and I liked it. Um, <laughs> and if you want more puns like that, uh, we've got a network with shows full of names like that. So you head yep. to patreon.com forward slash do for media, and we'll keep creating new shows with, with stupid pun names. Yeah. Um, as oh. Elliot dropped a few times throughout this episode, you can also support Wildbo directly by going to patreon.com forward slash Wildbo. Pack two. Pack two. Uh, yes. yes. Make sure you leave that in your comments. <laughs> Please don't. I don't. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to start some sort of thing where everyone's pressuring him for that. Yeah. Uh, I, I want Wildbo to write whatever he wants to write because it'll be good either way. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll see everyone on Wednesday, the nineteenth of February, for Judgment sixteen point nine, as we hit our last ever our last bonus, bonus episode. Oh, exciting, but also sad. Um, yes. Anyway, yeah, we'll see you on Wednesday, folks. See ya.